Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. We've got a special guest today, John Chapman, obviously, of the 49ers Rush podcast. How you doing today, man? I am living the dream. It is draft week. We are days away. We've got NFL trades happening. We've got 49ers news, and I'm here with you, Rohan, and I couldn't be more excited, man. Before we get into the 49ers content, let's just go on the, the, the very, very small trade. It, it, obviously, Tiny. Uh, nothing too Tiny. too big. Aaron Rodgers, what were your thoughts on that move uh, that just happened finally after you know weeks and weeks of speculation? Yeah, yeah I mean, everybody knew it was going to happen. Um, I thought that the Jets paid more than I would have guessed. I, I would assume it would have been a lot less. Uh, just because he's so old, that contract's so big. He talked about retiring. And so I thought the Packers got a good deal. Um, my my first thought was, man, um, he's going to retire defeated by the 49ers in the playoffs, never getting one win versus the 49ers. And that just makes me happy. Uh, I'm not a Rodgers guy. So, uh, yeah, so that that's the, the big winners. Are the 49ers, or maybe losers, because they were a buy in the playoffs for so long. Um, so, yeah, that that was that, that, those were my initial thoughts. Aaron Rodgers' deal was interesting. I do agree. I think they gave up more than I initially expected. But at this point, you don't really care. you got to get the deal done with the yeah. way that the draft's going. I didn't expect the, – the, the main surprise for me was the pick swap. I didn't expect the first-rounders to be swapped. Because that's, that's still a good amount of value that you're giving up. Uh, moving down from 13 to 15 um that was the main difference but they did get some i think a fifth rounder or sixth rounder in return as well solid deal and now to put a pick swap into uh context dropping from 13 to 15 has a 100 point value difference um on jimmy johnson's trade chart that is the exact value of the 100 pick um so that's basically a late you know third round comp pick that was thrown in there. I really do think that the Packers got a lot more than I, I was not anticipating that. I was thinking one second and a conditional third, uh, but yeah, they got They got a lot more. And I've assumed that 2024 conditional first is definitely dependent on him playing, maybe even him making the playoffs. We'll see what happens there. But overall in this class, I want to talk to you about real quick. Finally, Rogers to the 49ers. We don't got to worry about that anymore. But there was one other quarterback bit external before we get to all the internal stuff, and that was Lamar Jackson. Uh, John Lynch quickly mentioned Lamar Jackson, said that right now there's little room uh, to operate based on their current roster situation, initially pretty much shutting down the door as they did a couple of months ago. Any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I think what was important 
is how John Lynch basically explained it. Like, look, we've built our roster a certain way with financials, with the way we build, with the way we play and all those things. And because of that, it completely like, okay, I'll get an email from somebody that's like, hey, why why don't we trade for Joey Bosa or fill in right. the blank? It doesn't matter who it is. And I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. The 49ers would be great. But now we have to look at the numbers. One, what are you going to give up? Two, does the salary cap work? And three, would the other team want to do this? And almost all of those discussions, probably 95%, get shut down at the salary cap. Niners don't have any money. They, they have no money. And you're talking about Lamar Jackson, who wants a fully guaranteed deal. You can't fit that. It just doesn't work because of the way they've built it. So all the people that are huge on Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. They don't fit financially with the way in which this front office has built a team. That's why those things aren't going to happen. I agree. And the other thing is one thing Lynch alluded to, not only with free agency, but also the draft. And he talked about it when talking about Brandon Ayuk, which we'll get to is you don't worry just about year one. Remember, this is a you're giving up a four to five year extension to a guy like Lamar Jackson. You have to worry about future years as well. Year two, year three, year four, year five, and how the cap figures out there. The 49ers are already in somewhat of a cap crunch next year. Lynch alluded to we're going to have to figure that out when presenting an extension to Brandon Ayuk because you do have a couple. Uh, you do have a couple of situations to figure out. Nick Bosa. That cap hit in the next year uh, or in uh, next year is going to be a little higher than you'd anticipate. Understanding he's going to command such a high salary in general on an average value, and so you've got a couple of different things that you've got to worry about that are still yet to be determined. And that's not even involving bringing back free agents that will be free agents next year. There are still players up for extensions. Teleno Hufunga might be up soon. You've got Brandon Ayuk, obviously. Nick Bosa's extension needs to be dealt with. You've got a couple of players that you start, need, start needing to think about in the, long, uh, in the short-term future, and you understand, yeah, it might be unfeasible unless you continuously restructure contracts. By then, if you don't end up getting that Super Bowl, you're in cap hell for a few years, that is. I think one of my favorite things, and I love the comment by Greg is Khan there. He says, you know, they can make IU and Samuel fit with staggered restructures. We're starting to see, you know, the Niners are doing one big deal a year. They did two this year um, with, you know, whether you want to see CMC or Nick Bosa or if you want to throw in Javon Hargrave. But now you're starting to see some guys leave too. We saw Lakin leave a year ago. We saw Jimmy Ward just now leave. So, like, as long as... It, you're you're sticking with this cyclical, you know, kind of revolving door. I, I hate that term, but like good guys are leaving, but you're replacing with new young good guys as well. The rookie contracts will off balance. And so it's going to be difficult. And it's the longer you continue to do this, especially with void years, the more difficult it's going to be. But for the near future, I think that the 49ers could continue to juggle this fairly well. Uh, We'll have to see what happens if no players leave. Like, let's just say hypothetically, which this would be a great problem to have. Let's say Trent Williams plays for another three years. I don't think that's very logical. I don't think it's going to happen. But if he does, that's awesome because you've got the best left tackle of football. But those numbers are going to be kind of tough to juggle eventually. So if some of those players do start kind of retiring or moving on or whatever – that's going to be some of the relief to keep these wheels churning to keep that window open, so to speak. 
Right. And even even if it's not necessarily restructures, when you talk about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, Greg Khan's right in that you can stagger those contracts because Samuel's deal ends in 2025. You're not going to likely be able to move him. You can't move him this offseason. Really tough to pre-June 1st next offseason. But before that final year of his contract, that's when I think you can and uh, you can consider moving Debo Samuel. And for Brandon Ayuk and his contract, you can think about it as if next year will be the first year of his deal. That cap it can be lowered. And then in 2025, when it uh, starts to get higher, that's when you can move on from Debo Samuel and have that one significant wide receiver contract while trying to replenish that value in the draft. Yeah, and we saw, you know, about the Debo, like, trade possibility in the future. You saw that with Tyreek Hill. You saw it with Devontae Adams. These vets that were on the last year of their big deal wanting to get that third deal. And Debo fought for a three-year extension. He got it, and I'm happy for him. He deserves to get paid. But, yeah, I think that's where those numbers can start to play into your advantage. Um, and we'll just kind of have to see how Debo's career goes. I want to keep him. I want him to be a lifelong 49er. But in the modern NFL, those things are tough to do. But uh, I'm not stressed. I, I, I'm not stressed about the Iuke and Debo deals for this year or next year at all. I, like, I would love to have a prop bet where I could say – what are the chances Debo and Ayuk are both on this roster for the next two years? I freaking laid down the farm, man, because I just I, the numbers back up. And why would you get rid of one of your stud wide receivers when you have all these young quarterbacks? Yeah, why would you make it harder right. on them? I, I, that doesn't make sense. And that's why initially I was a proponent of the Debo Samuel extension. I know a lot of people weren't necessarily as high, and I shared their I shared the 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 reasoning behind it. Samuel was going to have some level of regression after such a talented, uh, such a significant year in 2021. But the reason you're paying Samuel isn't because you expect him to uh, replicate that production, especially with more talent coming on the board and Christian McCaffrey, uh, and also the emergence of Brandon Ayuk that you expected last year. You're paying him because you have a cheap quarterback deal and you have young quarterbacks who need to develop. And the best way to develop that quarterback is via a, a, a top talented, uh, an uber talented receiver like Debo Samuel that makes life easier by operating well on screens, taking balls out of the backfield, and the different ways that he impacts the game. And because of the way that his contract's such a, uh, uh, it's a smaller contract in terms of length, you can fit it to where it fits with the length of your rookie quarterback contracts. And so I think that that's where you're trying to figure it out and make things work. And that's why it's valuable, even if that value in terms of statistical output may not necessarily have been seen. Yeah, it's it's I'm very impressed by what the Niners have done because they haven't done the Rams, you know, all right, we're all in. If we don't win it this year, then it's all for naught. And then they won it, which congrats to them. It was close. They got a lot of help, but like the Niners are going to be relevant for a very long time. The fact that they've done what they have done three out of four NFC championships without a top five quarterback, like even close. That's crazy to me because the roster, the skeleton is it's fit. If you could just get that quarterback position figured out, we got three young chances, three swings currently on the roster with Darnold, Trey Lance and Brock. If one of those guys just take that huge leap forward, man, this this could be a dangerous, dangerous team for a long, long time. I agree. I agree. 
Moving on to some of the things, the big things that uh, our guy John Lynch talked about. Let's start with the quarterback position. Let's start with the guy who's been in the media headlines recently. Last week, Ian Rapport reported that the 49ers have been fielding calls on Trey Lance, haven't really amounted to much. Today, John Lynch provided some clarity on the Trey Lance debacle. What did you take away from his comments? Man, I, I thought it was more of the same. Um, everybody in the media wants to blow this out of proportion, and I just don't see it. I can't find legs to it. John Lynch said, you know, we've been really honest with Trey. We're taking calls on pretty much everybody except Bosa. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But, like, he says, you know, I fully expect Trey to be with our team. And, you know, I keep going back to this this same concept. You know, and John John mentioned today, we needed five quarterbacks last year. Why in the world would you be in such a move to get rid of a, one of those quarterbacks for what? A second-round pick? Like, that makes no sense to me. The 49ers need quarterbacks more than any other franchise out there in the NFL currently. Because, one, Brock Purdy, we don't know where he is. So, I, I don't know. I didn't take this as... Oh man, they're actively shopping and whatever else. I just don't get that. I, I 100% don't understand that. Um, I don't know. I agree. And when we talk about Lance, I thought it would be irresponsible. Me and Marco said this last week to move on from Lance before giving him the opportunity to compete when you understand what your quarterback room is like. And John Lynch even acknowledged today that a part of the Lance discussion is also due to Purdy and right now the uncertainty in regards to his health. The 12 week mark would provide more clarity, but that's in June. You don't, you don't, you know, gamble on it a month before and understand what your quarterback situation might look like. Because even if best case scenario, it's that six week, six month timeline and Purdy's back by week one. You still have a significant portion of practice, if not all of practice in the offseason, where you're not rolling with Birdie and you need three healthy quarterbacks. The 49ers aren't even at three healthy quarterbacks no. right now. They We're need to add to their quarterback room with a rookie or an undrafted free agent. Is it the smartest option to go into the uh, go into the offseason hedging your bets on Darnold and two rookies or undrafted free agents? I don't know if that's the smartest thing for a team to do with the situation the 49ers are in and being the second most favorite uh, to, to to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and the NFC continues, and we see this today. Like You look at the top quarterbacks in this league, I would argue nine out of ten of the top quarterbacks are all in the AFC. I mean, it's that big of a disparity. It's huge. And so you look at the NFC, it's a two-horse race. It's just two teams. The Eagles and the 49ers. I don't consider the Cowboys to be there with their head coach. Um, and, you know, I the Vikings, I have no credibility whatsoever for that franchise um, either. Maybe they take strides, whatever else. You talk regular season records. Don't care, don't care, don't care. Uh, until the Cowboys can get past the divisional round, whatever. It's been since 1995 since they've gotten past the divisional round. They they can't win in the postseason. Why? Coaching, decisions, top down, Jerry Jones percolates that entire franchise, and it's just a bunch of bad choices. Um, and so, like, the Niners have this pass. So you have to seize this opportunity. Why in the world would you jeopardize that by trading the one healthy young quarterback that you have on your team? Sam Darnold's healthy as well, but I just, man, it's hard to get credence to this. It really, really is. And, you know, I see the comment in there from TC just talking about how this is so stressful and the Trey Lance and all that kind of stuff that's going on. Let me just say this. None of this is coming from the 49ers. 
This is coming from outside, uh, whether it's national media, co local content creators that are trying to create drama to get it's clickbait stuff, right? And so, like, I just constantly say, man, if, if you are one of those people where the drama and the stress, like, start to affect your fandom and your enjoyment, man, protect that stuff. If that's who you are, don't allow that crap into your, you know, podcast, whatever, YouTube views, whatever. Like, protect that. Some people love that. But protect your fandom like that. Like, don't let people steal your joy. You should be happy to be a Niners fan right now. We are three out of four at FC Championships. This is great time. To be very true and with that said i do want to give a shout out to the guys that have tuned in because we've got a lot of people dropping your comments and we really do appreciate you guys yes. especially you know this week going into the draft i know john's got a very uh cool setup for the draft night and so as i go out sharing some comments go ahead and uh, share some details on that for this week yeah, we're going to be live days one and day two of the draft uh, nonstop. We're going to start 10 minutes before uh, night one on Thursday. So 10 minutes before you just turn us, tune us in, and then 10 minutes before on um, Friday as well for day two. So uh, you're talking 10-plus hours over two days being live. Got to have a lot of people with us, Wayne Breezy, Brian Carter, uh, at host Chuck B. I'm trying to get Rohan on with us day two. Um, but, yeah, so – if you want some 49ers NFC West kind of focused content for days one and day two, uh, that's where just type in John Chapman or 49ers Rush. Come join us. Both those are already up on my channel, so you can go hit the notification bell um, and join us live. We're going to be giving away a lot of jerseys. We're going to be having a good time. I'm trying to put together a drinking game right now for those of you that are going to partake. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Hey, you heard it here. Going to be a great time, and I will try my best to make sure I join on for Friday. You know, obviously Friday being day two of the draft, 49ers having uh, some picks as well at the end of that day, maybe even earlier depending on a trade-up. It's going to be a fun time. Make sure you guys check it out. Want to give a shout-out to the CC gang as always for tuning in early with your guys' comments. And uh, for everybody else that's tuned in so far, thank you. Going back, though, to the Trey Lance discussion, let's talk about um, – Obviously, now what does this mean for the competition? Did it sound for to you like John Lynch is expecting the 49ers to give Trey Lance a chance to compete in 2023? 100%. Yeah. And, you know, when John Lynch was asked about Trey and if he's been telling him and talking to him about these like trade, whatever, he's like, dude, Trey just wants a chance to compete here. And that's what we're setting this up for. And so it's got to be a competition, which is what fans should want. I consider myself to be one of the biggest Trey guys ever. If he can't beat out Sam Darnold, then I don't think he deserves the job. But I do have confidence in the fact that he will. Um, again, I, I, I'll again, if I could bet who's taking the first snap, you know, this week one, it's going to be Trey Lance. Not that that's the most important thing because Trey Lance took week one snap last year. Um, but again, played five quarters and then it was done. The injury, whatever else. The situation will work itself out organically. The cream rises to the top. If you're going to have two people competing, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, all through training camp, may the best player win because that's what we want as Niners fans. I do think that will be Trey Lance, but if it's not, that's okay. Uh, this, this is not a Trey Lance hat. <laughs> it's a 49ers hat I got on. Uh, you, you pull for the guy under center no matter who it is, and that's what's up. Uh oh, I think you're muted there. Uh, I think you muted. Uh, there we go. We're better. <laughs> now but we're back. One thing now I'll say is 
I think what Trey Lance wants, what the 49ers organization wants, is to now provide him a chance to compete. Now, I don't know necessarily if I agree whether the smoke screens are put out by the 49ers themselves or whether they're put out by the media. I do think, honestly, the 49ers might have a little bit of doing in it in the way that it's obviously transpired. Obviously, we hear one thing today. It's that the 49ers were fielding calls from Trey Lance last week, potentially saying, oh, a draft day trade might be happening. But then you hear today, 49ers are going to wait till training camp. They're going to wait till training camp, and if a team calls, maybe you see him uh, with an injury. Maybe you see him go traded there for the opportunity for a starting spot. But what I got from today is they want him to compete. John Lynch said, I expect him to be here in 2023. Obviously, you can't necessarily believe everything you hear, but it seems like they're going to want Trey Lance to compete, which is understandable, understanding what their current situation is. And so to me, as for the competition, I do believe that right now, they're going to let Trey Lance get out there. Obviously, if he beats out Sam Darnold and he looks comfortable, I think he ends up getting the game, the week one starting job while Purdy recovers. But if not, they're going to roll with Purdy. If they don't yeah. see what they, they see in Trey Lance, then you then you essentially punt on the experiment that you had three years ago, and you roll with the guy that you believe in the most at the moment, which is Brock Purdy. And, and I'll say this. One season – in 10 years of the 49ers play in football, have we had a quarterback start every single game? That was 2019 when Jimmy G took us to the Super Bowl, right? So, like, this idea of whoever the quarterback is week one, I get it, but guess what? Stuff happens. Football happens with their five quarterbacks last year. There's going to be injuries, guys. The, the idea of the 49 you know – Patrick Mahomes got hurt last year, missed time in the playoffs. Uh, Jalen Hurts got hurt. He missed time leading up to the playoffs. Like injuries happen in this sport, period. And guess what? Uh, it's going to happen again this year. So you don't need one guy. You got to have at least two. Uh, in the 49ers situation, now they have three. They're going to add another quarterback in the draft. I assume that'd be four. And it's going to work itself out. So, like, even if your guy isn't the guy exactly. with one, just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there there are going to be four quarterbacks. I anticipate the guy they draft is going to be a guy who ends up being on the practice squad year one. Guy they cut practice squad and then eventually comes up and potentially takes the Sam Darnold role next year. Um, obviously, assuming the 49ers have a quarterback situation figured out, and so I think that they've got a couple of things. And before I move on, there was another piece of news that came out today on one of those quarterbacks. <clears throat> Jay Kaner, 49ers had a pre-draft visit with the Fresno State standout. He's a guy who's received a lot of buzz. I know you and I have both done our work on the NFL draft. What can you tell me about this visit, especially after they visited with, with another expected to be a mid-round guy in DTR uh, last week? Yeah, it's funny. You know, Lynch said, you know, there's a lot of stuff about the guys we're bringing out and whatever else. But, you know, some of these guys were doing work for three to four years down the road, whatever else. Uh, very Sam Darnold, right? Like, that's the idea. You, maybe this isn't a guy we could draft, but this is something we want to know more about. Jake Hader's fun. He's old. He's 24 years old. He's already older than Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. Um, he's He's been labeled the Brock Purdy of this draft. He's smaller guy, 6'1". He's got better arm strength than Purdy does, but just not a lead anywhere. You know, played a lot of games, um, 32 college games, and he just kind of fits that gamer mentality. I don't know. I, I've got a fourth-round grade on him. 
So this is somebody that if you wanted, you'd have to take with one of those third round picks. I don't see it. Right. Um, but hey, they're doing their work. And if they falls to the fifth round, maybe that's a swing that you're willing to take. That's that's the big question in that to me, the issue with drafting a guy like Jake Hayner or Dorian Thompson Robinson is that I don't know if either quarterback makes it past waivers. The 49ers had the same issue with Brock Purdy last year after a solid preseason. Remember, training camp was up and down for Brock Purdy, but he had a solid preseason that put and that that's on display for everybody. And that made teams, uh, I mean, that made the 49ers worry themselves that they weren't able going to be able to keep him. These two players have gotten a good amount of a good amount of buzz. And remember, this is also a quarterback class where it fizzles out after the top uh, few options. Hendon Hooker has even been uh, described as a guy who could go early in the top two rounds. And so you've got that next bunch of guys. And normally with a position like quarterback, they might not they, they don't stay on the board that long. So you might see them go a little earlier, understanding the gap between maybe the top four, top five guys and then the rest of the bunch. Do I think the 49ers end up with a quarterback throughout this entire process? Absolutely. They're going to get one. I just wonder who exactly that player is going to be, understanding you're going to likely have to cut him. Um, it might not be week one. Let's say Purdy, for some reason, goes on IR or uh, even on PUP. You're still going to have to cut him. It, it might not be week one, but you're going to have to cut him at week four or week eight to create that roster spot. And I think that you've got to understand that if you want to keep this player, whoever you're investing a pick in, it, it right. depends on what that player's got to be. And so you might look to take value at another position where where the board might uh, favor out as well. Yeah, I agree there. And yeah, to somebody's question, Greg, as he said, uh, is Jake Hader smaller than Purdy? They're the exact same height, like just six foot and some change. Purdy was actually five pounds heavier at 212. Um, so Purdy, a little bit thicker um, than Hayner, but they're almost identical as far as body types go. Yeah, that's true. And I like this question here. Why use a pick on a player you have to cut? Now, it might not seem like it, but especially for teams in a situation like the 49ers, where your roster is already pretty, pretty, conf uh, uh, like it, it's pretty uh, uh, talented, you're not going to be able to draft uh, or utilize all your selections on players that are going to make your 53 man roster. And that's the value of having these UDFAs and things like that, where your players like that you can stash on the practice squad because they then can rise. The 49ers have had this system before. Um, Nate Sudfeld was a guy who ended up being on the practice squad and then competed for the uh, job last year. And obviously he didn't end up getting it, but he, you know, uh, there are guys like that, Marcelino McCrary Ball. We've seen it from the linebacker uh, group a lot, where you've had Marcelino McCrary Ball, Demetrius Lundigan Fowles, and all these different UDFAs that have ended up making the roster. And so why use a pick on a player you have to cut? Obviously, when drafting them, you're initially not looking to cut them. If a guy really surprises you, you're going to find a way to make a roster spot for them. But unfortunately, the 49ers right now are in an unfortunate situation because they have to, they need a body in that quarterback room. And that that's the unfortunate reality. But they also have three quarterbacks that they believe they're capable of. And it's unrealistic to go with four quarterbacks when only 25% of the league goes with three quarterbacks itself. Yeah. And so that's the reality. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Which is why, again, depending on how the board ends up going, they could look for an undrafted guy. It's just you have to pose the question, understanding they've met with a ton of good quarterbacks uh, in, in the class in that in that late in the mid to late rounds, and they they do have guys who I'm sure they they are fans of on their board, and they could see as a potential backup in the future. I I think you know one of the things that's real important. I agree with you. They've met with third and fourth round target guys. They've also met with seventh undrafted round target guys as well. Tim uh, Demora out of Fordham, Tyson Baggett. Um, out of Shepard. So, like, look, if one of those third-round guys falls to the fifth round, I get it. I understand. It makes sense. But if they don't, then you have those guys later that you could pick up in the seventh or you could pick up as an undrafted free agent. If I had my way, this is just my own personal opinion, I would prefer a seventh-round quarterback pick um, this draft. Like, it, that's what I would want. That way you get your guy – you bring them in, whatever else. And not that I expect it to be a Brock Purdy 2.0 situation. I do not. I hope we'd never have that many quarterbacks get hurt again to where we have to be in that situation. But you do need another arm. And seventh rounder, if it doesn't work out, not too concerned. Exactly. And the thing I'll say with seventh rounders that people might not realize initially, when you're drafting a player in the seventh round, you're not necessarily drafting a player in the seventh round. What do I mean by that? Teams in the seventh round, they're already in contact with these players well ahead, looking to gauge their interest for undrafted free agency should they not make undrafted free agency. The reason the 49ers drafted Brock Purdy, it was not only because he was high on their board at that time, but also they weren't sure they were going to be able to get him an undrafted free agency. And so by drafting the player, you're assuring yourself that you're you're guaranteeing yourself that you're going to be able to get that player on your team. That's the point of drafting in that seventh round. And so if the 49ers go ahead and get a quarterback in the seventh round, they might not be, they might like the guy, but not be able to pay the amount of money or uh, the opportunity that some other team might be able to provide. That's where they come in. They're able to draft the player in the seventh round, have all assurances that they get that player overall. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've talked to players that have been on this situation with the 49ers um, that were undrafted free agents that were drafted. And the phone call sounds something like this. Hey, we're up on the clock and so and so picks and we want to take you. There's a couple other guys we're looking at as well. If for some reason it doesn't go the way we want to and we can't pick you, would you be interested in coming in as an undrafted free agent? That's the phone call. And again, um, these are players that did not get picked, but still came. And these are players that were picked. Um, and so every NFL team does that. And so they're calling them in the sixth round saying, Hey, we want you. But if for some reason, some crazy happens, we just want to let you know, we want you in as a UDFA. I agree. I agree. 
And with that said, let's transition to an interesting topic, one that we 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 touched on a little bit ago. But Brandon Ayuk, so there have been some trade uh, rumors regarding Brandon Ayuk this entire offseason. He obviously liked to picture with the New York Giants and different things like that. Seem like rumors are shut down of those that trade, at least for 2024. What did you take away from the Lynch comments, not only for this year, but also for beyond this year, where he addressed the uncertainties with their cap situation, which might obviously place an emphasis on what they do with Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, so two things. Number one, he basically said we're going to wait till after the draft to figure out the fifth-year option, um, which I think is smart with Javon Kinlaw and Ayuk. My assumption is they're going to pick up Ayuk's. They are not going to pick up Javon Kinlaw's. Um, but he went on to say, and I quote, we love Brandon Ayuk and are excited for him to be a part of this team. Like, end quote. Why would you move off your number one wide receiver? And I think that he is the number one wide receiver. Whenever you have all these young, questionable quarterbacks, continuity is important, and his cap hits so tiny this year. It just seems too simple. It just seems too simple. If the Niners were rebuilding and not a playoff team, I would totally get trading Brandon Ayuk. They are the antithesis of that. They are the front runners in the NFC. Why would you trade an asset that's so young that just proved himself? He's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. I agree. At the moment, I, I think that even if it came down to picking between the two, I think Ayuk would be the guy. Obviously, that situation we'll see when it comes down to 2024. But the more important part, he's going to be here, I believe, in 2023. I think that that's the important scenario that we got. Gregus Khan shared a comment earlier today. 15 first-rounders in this draft, according to Peters. This has kind of been the consensus, around 13 to 15 first-rounders in this class. What do they mean by this? Obviously, not 15 players or only 15 players are going to be selected, but teams only have 15 first-round grades. And I know this might not be 49ers related because we picked at 99, but how intriguing do you think this draft, this first round, is going to be with the understanding of how teams only like really that upper echelon players you're going to have to you're going to have to be in that top 15 to get them uh top 10 maybe even to get them and then after that you're drafting players that are lower on your board than where you're drafting but you might not be able to get a trade yeah it's it's a rough draft at the top i'm just going to be honest with you um and to put this into perspective like adam peters has 15 right i have 23 now a big difference between adam peters and john chapman is i don't take players off my board so if I watch a player and grade a player, I'm keeping them on there. So for the 49ers, they're taking players off that don't fit their zone scheme style. They're taking players off that don't do their you know defensive zone style, not 3-4 type players uh, defensively, right? So like that's the difference. And again, if we're putting Ayuk in this draft, he's my number one wide receiver. So people are like, oh, we could trade and just get another wide receiver. I'm taking Brandon Ayuk over anybody in this draft. The one player that would be close to me would be Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's a slot only guy. He's not a number one wide receiver at all because he's not somebody that's a threat vertically. So like you mean to tell me you're trading Brandon Ayuk, who I have over Jackson Smith and Jigba. There is nobody that I would take in this draft. Maybe Quentin Johnson because he fits the scheme, but I do not want Quentin, Quentin Johnson. I, I'd love him, but not in place of, you know, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So teams go out and, like we said, Peter says they got 15 first-round grades. That 31 players have to go in the first round, right? period. 
So a lot of those guys getting drafted the back end of the first round, they're going to be second round players or second round grades for teams. Um, for example, I'll just throw this up there. Darnell Washington, the amazing tight end. I have a second round grade on him. I fully expect him to go in the first round. Um, doesn't mean he's a first round grade. It does mean he was selected in the first round. That's the difference. And I'll share one other thing. This does. This class is going to be more exemplified, but I do think this happens a little more in terms of reaching on second round play or second round grades in the first round more than often because the board dictates itself. But when there are runs on positions, you mm-hmm. see teams looking to grab that position more more so at positions of need. Shanahan like said that tackle. too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, offensive tackle, uh, really the more premier positions, you see the run on them, and then you see players being drafted that might go later, earlier, because you don't want to lose out on that player, or you lose out on a player at that position by the time that the board comes around to your next pick. And so that's what I think could be seen very much in this class. You talked about Darnell Washington. Really, it depends. Where does the run on tight end start? Because once one tight end goes, teams obviously have that on higher alert. Tight end's gone. We, if we want to core that top, uh, how, whatever's on their board, top four, top five, you might have to pick earlier than later, and that's where you might. Uh oh, there we go. We went for but a little. You, we went for a tour there. You might see a little. You know, the top three tight ends maybe go in that first round or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got to be able to follow that. And you know, one of the things that I took the most away from the interview was. uh, Lynch said they tried to trade up last year, that they had two edge guys that they liked. Uh, We know it's Drake Jackson. I want to say the second's Nick Benito. He said, I'm not going to say his name here, but I'm telling you right now, it's Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. And he said, we tried trading up, but nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to trade back with us, so we stayed there. Sure enough, the guy was there. Niners did zero trades last year. Zero for the first time in this front office. I do not expect that. I expect to trade up in the third round and to trade back. Um, that's what I expect. And I remember this last year. Hasn't necessarily been substantiated, but I remember this last year. Post-draft in the second round, Lynch talked about how a team, everything happened, how a team jumped them and drafted the player they wanted right before them. And that was Cam Taylor Britt with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, this happens. And that's why it's a little tougher in the NFL because, remember, to trade – you need both. You need a trade suitor to go up and a trade suitor to go down. That's yeah. why I'm intrigued in this class because when there are 15 first round grades in that back end of the first round, teams are might wanting to be trade down. They might want to trade down, but you need a suitor to come up and select a player on the board, and that might not be there as much with a class where people don't necessarily have a first round grade on that certain player. And just to put this into perspective, I'm looking at my board currently. I don't have a big grade difference from the number 28 player all the way down to the number 60 player. Like they're yeah, relatively close. That makes and sense. So, yeah. I don't know, man, the, the, the values there late. So if so, if one of your 15 guys that right, we're sticking with this thing, there's 15 49ers first round grades. If one of those guys happens to fall, then you go up. If not, then yeah, you just, you just sit there and, Take your time and enjoy your day. Yeah, and um, the one thing I'll say to that is that's why I think this graphs a little more to the 49ers' benefit. It's similar in a way to last year's class. It's different in that I thought the last year top-end talent was definitely better, but it's similar to last year's class in that the, 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 the bread and butter of the class is in the middle rounds where it's a deeper class. You, you can see 
um, a good amount of talented players falling. Last year, I had guys in the uh, graded in the third round that the 49ers took uh, in the sixth round or fifth round or, you know, whatever it was. And so uh, you, you definitely have a ton of talented players that are available here. And so that's what I'm intrigued about. How does the how do the 49ers um, like what falls to them? What do they do in difference of last year where they essentially stayed pat this year? They have 11 picks. What are they going to do? Are they going to try and move up? I, I even think that there's a good possibility. They look to trade down, try and accumulate assets in that 102 to 155 range where they don't currently have any. Maybe maybe they experiment a trade up. If that's there, you take it. If not, trading down with one of those three third round picks to get picks in that uh 102 to 155 range might be a little more accessible for them yeah i i like the cluster picks just because it makes it easier when we're doing like mock drafts and trying to do these project projections but not having a pick for a hundred straight picks from the third to the fifth round i think that's problematic i, I don't think the niners are going to stay that way i, I really want to see a trade back from the third or a trade up from the fifth i know we've been great in the fifth but that's a long way to have no picks. And so I think that window is yeah. going to be closed. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Going forward with some of these, um, some of the things that Lynch talked about real quick, gave a little update on Nick Bosa. Uh, talked about the comment. I think that that's going um, a little viral is that he said essentially there was never a hotline uh, sharing how Nick Bosa was untouchable. There's not a chance that, they, that he's going to move on him. Talk about that portion and also the timeline of where you might see a Nick Bosa extension. Yeah, it's going to be right at the start of training camp when they report. The 49ers have set precedent, and the reason why they have done this isn't for guys like Nick Bosa. It's for guys like Debo. If if they didn't already have that precedent and stick that precedent in place, things like Debo will happen again and again and again. But the Niners are sitting here saying, look, this is Defensive Player of the Year. We're not even entering into negotiations until later so after the draft that's the big reason why why because then the player loses all leverage if a player wants to demand a trade now they could say sorry we can't even get a draft pick this year you're gonna have to find a player player only trade those are hard to do it just makes it again this is a leverage of the organization against the players to get what they want and that is to get their own guy signed that they want to keep um, that's why you're not going to hear anything. Nick Bosa is not going anywhere. You're not trading the best player, an amazing locker room guy with one of the best work ethics and whatever. Bosa going to be around a long time. Um, and then we will have this conversation again next year with Ayuk. But again, even if the Ayuk deal gets done, it's not going to be until next training camp, not even this one, because they keep staggering these. Yeah, and I think for me, when I when I talk about these, I agree with you. The team, you know, they're trying to get their setup too, but the player as well. A lot of times, this this offseason might be a little different in that Bosa doesn't necessarily have much competition within this offseason. But a lot of times you see these different players at the same position competing to get the best deal possible. Last year with Debo Samuel, it was the wide receiver room. And so when that happens, obviously, somewhat of a waiting game. You're trying to get the best deal possible. The best deal normally comes after the first deals slide through because you have a benchmark for what you could probably argue in your deal, depending on how well your resume stacks to other teams. 49ers have seen this. Um, Fred Warner, obviously, with Darius Leonard, that uh, that was a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. George Kittle, you know, he, he was trying to uh, essentially reset the market. That was a thing. 
Trent Williams obviously had his deal. And I think David Bakhtiari had his deal as well around the same time. That was a thing. And then obviously uh, last year, Debo Samuel and the three other wide receivers from that class that all got paid. That was also a thing. So I, it's definitely the two different things. Lynch also referred to how the Bosa family works. I mean, Nick Bo- uh, Joey Bosa had a record-breaking contract. The guaranteed money at signing but prior to him was $62 million for a defensive end. Joey Bosa got a $78 million yeah. signing, uh, guaranteed at signing, a $16 million increase. You see like 100K increase, 200K increase, these incremental increases. Joey Bosa got a hell of a deal. And so, Nick Bosa, you're expecting a pretty significant deal. Now, remember, don't get too shocked when uh, AAV numbers get floated out yeah, upwards of $30 million. That is a lot. But remember, it's guaranteed money, guaranteed money at signing, guaranteed for injury. Those are the numbers that really matter alongside signing bonus to determine how the cap hit works. Because as we've seen with some of these big deals, you don't normally see the last year or the last two years of these uh, the, these extended contracts because – there's no guaranteed money over the last two years. Players obviously don't want to play uh, without that guaranteed money available. And so you see a contract restructure or a contract extension or some sort of thing, maybe even a trade uh, that that surfaces because players obviously don't want to play under contracts with no guaranteed money. But the way that these contracts are inflated, the guaranteed money comes in the beginning, but the significant cap hits come at the end. Right. And, you know, I'll say this. One of my favorite things about Bosa, it doesn't matter who's brought up every year. Whoever the number one pass rusher, they're like, oh, I'll get this, you know, DM or whatever. We should trade Nick Bosa for Will Anderson. We should trade him for Chase Young. We should trade, like, right, it happens, it happens, it happens. The thing that separates Bosa, and I think I brought this up on my last show, is that he doesn't win with elite athleticism. That's not his thing. He's a tactician. This is somebody that's going to be successful for a very, very, very long time. And so Bosa needs to be written in ink for the next six to seven years. And I really hope they do a longer deal. I don't know what Bosa and his family want, but, man, I want like a six-year deal. I I don't want a three-year, a four-year, all right. Five-year, now we're talking six-year, John Chapman's in. I want as many years as possible on Bosa personally. Uh, I, really I think the 49ers want the same thing too. Obviously, I don't anticipate a six-year deal happening, but I mean, if it if it can, that would be the best situation for the 49ers. It's just, man, you keep the top-end talent, defensive player of the year, but like, you know, the sacks and all the pressures and all that stuff, that's where he's going to get paid. But I don't know of another player. Cameron Jordan's probably the closest thing that I can come up with that is as good in the run as he is in the pass. And he's way better against the pass uh, than Cameron Jordan is. And Jordan's like an all-decade player. That dude's awesome right. uh, for the Saints. But Bosa's better in every caveat, which is just bananas. Um, really, really big fan of who Bosa is on the field and as the teammate and just a goober. And his press conferences are hilarious. Like, the dude has just fit in. And I, those are the guys you want to keep. You do whatever you can. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I agree. I agree. Enough about Nick Bosa. Let's go to the second quarterback that we've got to talk about. And that's Brock Purdy. Um, got some updates, obviously, on his recovery. Still a good amount of way to go. But encouraging signs. Saying uh, he's hitting all the benchmarks. What What did you uh, take away from John Lynch and his comments on Brock Purdy, competition, and all that? 
Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, three separate things that we've seen of Brock Purdy in the past, like, 48 hours. He was at the A's game. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, he uh, Not the A's game. I'm sorry. He was at the Giants game. Giants game, game. yeah. I'm going to get canceled for that one. Um, but that was awesome. No brace. You know, waved, high-fived, whatever else. Then he was on the Kelsey Brothers podcast, which I think I got a lot more from that um, than the John Lynch thing. And then you had Lynch saying that he looks good. But the constant thing I keep saying, and the doctors and the team and Purdy all keep saying the same thing. That first week of June, that's that three-month check-in where they go back in, and that's where the next timeline's set. And what's so important about all of this, why would you trade a quarterback five weeks before the checkup? <laughs> like, and so this is just a wait-and-see approach, but the one thing that we do know for sure, he is not behind schedule. There have not been any setbacks. Uh, things seem to be trending towards a very, very positive um, checkup here in five more weeks. So we're about halfway to the three-month mark. We'll see how much longer we got to go. But right now, everything looks great, and I hope it continues to be that way. Right, and uh, I obviously we'll see how the process goes along, but great news to hear from Brock Purdy that he is uh, on stage with his recovery. Now, again, we get more clarity at that 12-week 12 uh, 12 mark, and it's still uncertain necessarily as to when he'll return to practice in full, in meaning when does that arm strength really uh, build up back to 100% and things like that, um, as was the case with Nick Mullins. If it's six months, it puts him around week one. Does he play week one? That's the uncertain part. I'd assume at the moment, no, based on not only uh, the that it – quite literally is the week going into week one, but also we've heard um, major media ple- uh, people such as uh, uh, Matt Barrows and others uh, also suggesting that Lance right now seems like the favorite to start week one. That discussion though, we, we wait and see in the off season, wishing all the best and hope that a competition can uh, arise if possible. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. I mean, it's having two good quarterbacks or three good quarterbacks. That's okay. Uh, it, no problem with that whatsoever. So the 49ers have options currently. They're all cheap. They're all cheap. <laughs> that's what's important. And so if one of them can take the reins, that's going to be awesome. Uh, but yeah, we just got to wait and see. Let it play out. Let it play out. One thing I do want to mention, Ark Armstead. Um, so he talked he, he talked as well today. He said how a move to edge rusher hasn't been discussed. Now the 49ers signed Javon Hargrave. Talk to me about the idea of it. Your your idea on how realistic it is, um, understanding the 49ers added at defensive tackle rather than defensive end uh, it's, this offseason more. Yeah, it's the deepest position on this team. It's the deepest position on this team. And if you remember, last year heading into the initial 53-man roster, the cutdowns after preseason, we had four defensive tackles injured. We were picking up guys off the streets. And so definitely a reactive kind of you know going against that but now, I mean, your starters are Hargrave and Armstead. That's incredible. Then your backups are Javon Kinlaw and the guy who started last year for us, right, out of Pitt State. So, like, you've got those four guys. You have Kalia Davis, who you drafted the sixth round. He's coming back. You signed Ty McGill. I mean, the Niners are set at defensive tackle. They're, they're just completely set there. And anything you get from Javon Kinlaw is just gravy now. He could be a rotational piece that comes in and just be fine. But – you have two defensive tackles that if you look at the last five years, it's pretty damn hard to find anybody that got more snaps than them. And Eric Armstead, who was banged up a little bit last year, but if you look at the last five years as a whole, that dude went four straight years without missing a game. 
Javon Hargrave missed one game his whole career, I believe. So you're talking about these guys that just take a lot of snaps and, you know, the Niners rotate a lot, but gosh, it's going to be great having the strength at that position instead of just being so vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree on that portion of it, right? In that right now, I think they've got all options on the table because normally we haven't had the flexibility defensive tackle. Granted, Ark Armstead has looked pretty damn solid at defensive tackle when he's been on the field. But to me, I think you have that option. Defensive tackle right now is a stronger position for the 49ers with the depth they have. Not maybe even with the high-end talent with the top two guys, but with the depth they have, it's got you've got a lot of options possible. Nicholas Para. Oh, the godfather. Hey, appreciate the super chat here. Hey, John and Rohan, great to see you guys collaborating. Last year, we were all Vegas bound for the draft. Do we know where the draft is next year? Are we going? Because we are going to see pick 32 live. Now, I know this year's in Kansas City. If I will check right now where uh, the 2024 NFL draft is going to be. But that would be uh, an interesting one, obviously. And it seems, oh, okay, it's going to be in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> That'll be an interesting one. I don't like it, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I was planning on being in Kansas City this week. Um, we had a venue set up and everything, and, you know, we were already starting to reach out to players and all that stuff. Like we, last year we had, you know, Fred Warner and Elijah Mitchell come out in Vegas, which was awesome. But we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to Demo because he played up there. Demo and Ambry Thomas are both from rival high schools up in uh, Detroit. I didn't think about that, but uh, I'd like to be there. That was just such a cool event. So, uh, are we'll you see. going this year to Kansas City? No, when we did the CFC trade, I, I went ahead and backed out everything. Sense. We didn't. That we didn't have sense, to pick. Yeah. So, but next year, hopefully for the first time, we'll have a first round pick in a while. So, uh, gosh, that'll be cool. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, John, it's been a very fun uh, hour here talking with you. A lot of different topics. and I mean, the most exciting parts, the draft is just three days away. I know the 49ers, we've got a lot to talk about there, but I'm very intrigued to see how this draft overall goes along. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I'm excited. Uh, Rohan, you're the best there is, man. And it's always fun just hanging out and talking. So uh, thank you for your time, man, and for letting me jump on with you. This is fun. This is fun. Yes, sir. Last thing I got to say is you've got to make sure you subscribe here. Both channels, John Chapman, obviously, the 49ers Rush podcast. Be sure to check out his work as well as his stuff on Patreon. If you guys, I know you guys, a lot of people like the draft content. I'm sure a lot's on there. Be sure as well to subscribe here over on my channel. Links are in the description, so be sure to check that out. Go ahead and give that subscribe button. Hit the like button. We really appreciate all of you guys' support. But, chat, you guys were great today. Any last thoughts before we head on out, John? Enjoy this week. Find ways to be excited. The draft is a beautiful time because all 32 teams have hope for the future. We only know one team has hope in the NFC, and that's the Niners. Enjoy this week. Enjoy this week. Enjoy it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Guys, that's going to do it all for today. Be sure to stay tuned because we'll have some more content coming out soon, especially on the draft. Stay tuned for John's show Thursday and Friday, but we'll see you guys next time. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.